Hey, hey, everybody. This is Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. I am so glad that you are on today's episode. Whether you are single, whether you're dating, whether you're looking to be married, whether you are already married, what we're going to talk about on today's episode is going to be for you. And I can tell you that it is not often that I am able to talk to such a vast array of people at the same time. Most of the time, I'm either talking to married couples or I'm talking to pre-married couples. But our guest today, Lisa Anderson, has a way of talking to both groups, and I am just so privileged to have her on the show. So let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. Lisa Anderson is the director of Boundless, which is a part of Focus on the Family. So Boundless is the community that they have over there for Christian young adults who want to grow up own their faith, date with purpose, and prepare for marriage and family. So how many of you guys remember like growing up and listening to Adventures in Odyssey or listening to Focus on the Family? Because my mom would listen to James Dobson on the radio every single day. So I grew up listening to Focus on the Family. And so it's such a treat to be able to have that influence on our podcast, We're a Relationship Talk. And so I had the privilege of being a guest on Lisa's podcast, The Boundless Podcast, uh, a couple of weeks ago, depending on when you're listening to this episode, it would have been August of 2022. And on that particular podcast episode, I was talking about the seven things that I wish I knew before getting married. And if you've not heard me talk about that, guys, you got to go listen to it. You can find it on boundless.org. It was episode 757. But I had so much information that I wanted to share. And I realized something about myself. I talk dang fast. I I was talking so fast. I had to apologize to Lisa. And I was like, listen, I was talking so fast. I didn't mean to talk that fast on your show. So please forgive me. And she's here. She's here with us today. So Lisa is also an author. She wrote the book called The Dating Manifesto, A Drama-Free Plan for Pursuing Marriage with Purpose. You guys, when I was reading this book, I was dying. You hear me? I mean, she is funny. And y'all know I love me a good laugh. We can talk about heavy relationship topics and still laugh at ourselves, laugh at our foolishness, laugh at our mistakes. And she does that in this book. You guys have got to look it up and get it. Buy her book, The Dating Manifesto. If you're already married, give this book to somebody who's not yet married, okay? Because If nothing else, they are going to have a good laugh. She's an incredible writer, but also it's chock full of really solid relationship advice. So when we were doing this episode, it was just so rich that there's almost like two episodes in one. So we first start off talking about qualities that really every single person should be looking for in a mate. And again, some of you who are already married, you're going to listen to this and you're going to think, oh, man. I blew it. I blew it. I should have had this list. And I just want to encourage you, uh, stay in your marriage, but encourage somebody else to make sure that they are looking for qualities, not just the external things, but really what's on the inside, these qualities, these character traits that single folks need to be looking for in a potential spouse. And then we talk in the second part of the interview about five reasons your dating life is a disaster. And she shares some personal stories from her dating life because she's single. She's in the trenches. And so she really knows 
what this life is all about, okay? And so I'm just so excited to have Lisa. I loved, loved, loved this conversation. It was a little bit of a longer podcast than we normally do. And that's just because y'all are just listening to two girlfriends having coffee. That's what it felt like. It just felt like a conversation, which are my faves. All right, you guys. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation today with Lisa Anderson. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Well, welcome to Real Relationship Talk, everybody. I am so excited to be able to have this wonderful privilege of having Lisa Anderson with us today on the podcast. Lisa is the Director of Boundless and Young Adults at Focus on the Family Ministries, which many of you are very familiar with Focus on the Family. So thanks so much for being here on the podcast today, Lisa. Oh, it is so great to be here, Dana. And I know everyone who has any familiarity with Focus is thinking about, yeah, I used to listen to Adventures in Odyssey, or I read. it's like everyone has that affinity. They remember being a kid and listening to that and stuff. But, you know, we have a few few other things going on at Focus, though I'm sure Odyssey is considered one of the most important. Oh, it's the OG, right? Like, yeah. I totally remember being a kid and listening. And then when they came out with the video, I, I was just like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, now there's movies to go along with it. So yeah, and they're revamping all of those. So that's just yeah, that's old school now. So you know, but I mean, it used to be you had to like tune in to the radio every night, you know, and now they're streaming and all kinds of stuff. So makes it so available. That's awesome. Well, I did have the privilege of being on the Boundless podcast a few uh, a few weeks ago, episode 757, which I thought was interesting because that is also my area code here in Virginia Beach. I was no like, way. Look, at that. look at that. Look at that. All right. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to kind of continue in our conversation about relationships. I know at Boundless, you work primarily with young adults who are single, but I love that a lot of your content is also for those who do aspire to be married, um, and many of them do. Um, yeah. But many of them don't, Lisa. And so I want to find out from you kind of what what do you believe? You know, I think often of um, the the scripture in First Corinthians um, where Paul is actually talking about the gift of singleness, right? Where he's saying not every one of you should get married, Um and he's basically talking to the church about this this gift that being single is not a disease, <laughs> mm-hmm. but being single can be seen as a gift. So do you believe that the church has done singles a disservice when they push marriage so much? I feel like in the sense of pushing marriage, yes. I mean, I think it's become this thing, kind of the the thing du jour in churches in America where it, you know, marriage and family becomes a capstone where, you know, well, we're going to program all these marriage events. We're going to program stuff for your kids. And that's what we want to get you to. And I mean, I'm the, I have a number of sisters, Dana, and I feel like constantly they are talking to me about, well, you know, okay, have you met anyone or what do you, you know, do you need to go on another online site? <laughs> and it's not, it's because they want marriage for me, which is a great thing. And they also want that extra piece of relatability with me, you know, mm-hmm. so it's all like loves like, you know, and so we kind of want to be in our tribes and gather with the folks that are walking through life in the way we are. So I would say, I mean, I love taking that scripture where Paul talks about it. And there's, you know, an, another place or two where we see that emphasized in scripture. 
And I love saying, well, first of all, you know, at face value, that uh, that exhortation was for a specific time in a specific place. I mean, under a period of intense persecution, where clearly for many of the believers who were literally at that point considering, and, and we know many did have to flee um, in, in circumstances. I mean, the destruction of Jerusalem <laughs> coming up. So that was a, that was a big deal. And, and so certainly there are people with the gift of singleness say, you know, if God has put a calling on your life to go to an intense part of the Middle East where taking a family wouldn't be advisable for a season or what that looks like, that might be a call on your life that does not include, you know, a spouse and children. That said, um, for most folks, when I see the church talk about marriage, you know, it's it's kind of this awkwardness of, you know, the marrieds and the singles and what do we do? And pastors, bless their hearts. We love you, pastors, you know, who are like, OK, well, I was 24 when I got married. So what do I say to these single people? <laughs> and it's just we all have to learn to learn from one another because I say, you know, here's what happens. You're single. And you have a lot of great things about being single and a lot of hard things about being single. Then uh, about 85% of people at this point are going to be married at least once in their lifetime. When that happens, there are going to be a lot of great things about being married and a lot of hard things about me being married. And so we can learn from both seasons and support one another in both seasons. No, I think that's so important, you know, solidarity, if you will, supporting one another in our different seasons of life. What do you think, Lisa, a lot of single people think about when married people give them single advice? And I'll say this. Okay, I got married at 18. Okay. 18. <laughs> okay. So what do I really know about being single? Not a lot. And so because yeah. of that, I'm slow to really talk to single people about like, oh, this is what you should do, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Because I just yeah. feel like, I don't know. I don't know if single people really respect that. So, and that could just be in my mind, maybe as a married person that I'm like, I don't know if I have anything to say. But for the most part, what do you think single people feel about married people giving them single advice? Yeah. And I guess it depends on the advice and in the way that it's delivered, I would say. So for example, like I always want to hear advice from marrieds on how they met their spouse. I mean, my goodness, you got it done. Why shouldn't I learn from you? You know, <laughs> especially if you had to give up some crazy or mature a little bit or do that, you know, I need to hear that. And so I always tell singles, don't act like, you know, the marrieds or some other species that you, you don't want them in, in your life. I mean, it only benefits us all to have people speaking to us. That said, um, when it comes to saying like, okay, let me tell you single person why your life is so easy or why you have it better than I do. You know, I hear from so many marrieds, unfortunately, many in the church who, um, who talk about marriage like it is you know, completely the ball and chain. I mean, it's like the worst thing that they could ever do. And I'm like, you should be champions of marriage and and walking through it and giving encouragement and confidence to the singles coming up behind you. So I think there are elements of, um, you know, then when it treads into kind of how to find a spouse, like some of these how-tos, you know, everyone wants to share their story like it's uh, um, some kind of fairy tale ending, you know, like the the platitudes that a lot of singles get, like, you know, just, just stop lift, you know, stop looking and then it'll happen. Or, you know, just, just work on yourself. And when you're spiritually mature, then God will give you a spouse. And I always want to say, well, I know a lot of people who are hot messes who get married, so I don't know why God overlooked 
<laughs> overlooked them and gave them a spouse. You know, they're kind of messed up people getting married every day. And that's, that's who we are in our brokenness. And so, but that said, I think a good amount of grace on either side is helpful for having the conversation, for encouraging one another. In fact, I always tell people, uh, especially marrieds, when you want to approach that with a single friend, the best thing to start as you wade into that conversation is to say, you know what, what's going on in your life and how can I best pray for you? Because then it gives that single person the opportunity to open up as much or as little as they'd like and to enter into prayer on behalf of a friend who truly desires a relationship and desires marriage is one of the neatest, most sacred things you can do for them. That's really great advice. That's great. I'll have to remember that when I'm talking to my single friends because I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> be like, they don't even want to hear from you. 18, whatever. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, like, that's you great. Don't you don't know. Yeah. Like, the struggle. Um, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the struggle, I know that you wrote a book back in 2015, Lisa, and uh, it's called The Dating Manifesto, A Drama-Free Plan for Pursuing Marriage with Purpose. And I love the subtitle. I was like, the subtitle alone is like three different podcasts. <laughs> episodes, right? Uh (laughs) Like the whole drama-free part. Um, In your book, you have a chapter called, Are You Marriageable? And Mm -hmm. so I want to know, can you speak for a little bit about what is marriageable and how do people know if they're marriageable or not? Absolutely. You know, we have a thing at at Focus on the Family, a ministry that we call Hope Restored. And it is for folks who are in marriage crisis. And so, for example, um, it's a four-day intensive retreat that married couples go to. Many of them who attend this retreat uh, have filed divorce papers or they are on the verge of filing. And this is their last-ditch effort to say, I want to honor God, so I'm going to go through these four days and see what God can do. And the only question that they have to answer um, positively before heading into that retreat is, if God wants to do a miracle in my marriage, am I here for it? Mm -hmm. And so they have to be willing to see God work a miracle. I actually went to that as a single woman a couple of years ago, Dana, and I sat for four days with five other couples on a couch, a U-shaped couch. <laughs> and and really, you know, it, it was uh, the therapists, there are two therapists in each session, um, said, you know, well, here's Lisa and she works with singles that focus on the family and she's going to observe. Well, by the end of the four days, I was like every unmarried person in the U.S. needs to go through this program because what it does is it teaches you and empowers you to take ownership of yourself now and preparing for marriage. Because so many married couples, and you know this from working with so many marrieds, Dana, will look at their spouse and say, well, if he weren't like this, I wouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if only uh, he loved me better, if only she was more interested in the things I'm interested in, and it becomes this blame and shame game. And really, God is called, you know, he tells us that, man, on that last day, you're not going to stand with your spouse and look to them and blame them for who you became and how you serve the Lord. You're going to represent yourself. And so we all have to enter into that posture of maturity, of how are we growing up? And for for single people, now is the time, now is the opportunity to really avail yourself of moving towards spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, relational maturity, uh, to go after those things. And to even look at the the common things that are necessary, because I often talk about dating in the context of 
you know, really, I do believe that dating, a serious dating relationship is for the purpose of finding a marriage partner. Otherwise, you're going to go on nine years of pizza dates, you're going to waste a lot of money and be super bored by the end of it, because you're gonna be like, no one's good enough. We get all consumeristic. But if you approach it with this idea of how are we going to, as a team, serve the Lord, then all of a sudden you are becoming the person that a person wants to marry. And so, you know, some nuts and bolts things like I say, you know, ladies or guys, whatever, don't don't go into a serious relationship with a person who's not in a position to marry. So, you know, do they do they have a job? Do Mm -hmm. they have are they a person that has worked on other relationships in their life? Do they honor their parents? Do they keep their commitments? Do they have they dealt with that baggage in their past that is going to creep into your marriage, whether you want it to or not? And so being marriageable is a person who is, you know, single and available to be married. So let's just talk about that. Right. You know, I mean, um, let's let's not be scamming on other people's spouses or other, you know, again, you don't take the celebrity cues on that one. Um, But then they are just, you know, they are in a position to be married. They are an adult. They are um, contributing to society. They are plugged into a local church, a la exactly um, what you do in ministry, Dana. I mean, to have don't I, I often say this with boundless because people think, you know, they love boundless so much because it's their people, you know, and they're like, I just want to listen to boundless. And I'm like, that's fantastic. But here's what you really need to do. You need to get into a church in your town that is going to be up in your grill, real eyes on you to be in your business and help you move towards maturity in Christ. And so um, to go after that and be the person who wants to serve and wants to be spoken into and poured into uh, is a person who can move towards marriage and become a viable part of a God, God honoring couple. Yeah, you need to say that louder for the people in the back, Lisa. But um, <laughs> but no, it's true, you know, and I think everything that you just described, it's not that we're looking for someone who's perfect because there's no perfect person that, that exists out there other than Christ, obviously. Um, but that you are helping people to see like there's some just foundational things that you should be looking for character. You know, you talked a lot about kind of these different attributes and the word that kept coming to my mind is like, does this person have character? Not are they perfect, mm-hmm. but like, are they taking care of their business? Are they actually responsible? And mm-hmm. um, I laughed when I was reading your book, you, t- you had this uh, story that you were talking about this guy who was, um, he seemed like he had everything going for himself. You know, he was a person of routine, but then like he wouldn't pay for anything, you you know, and you're like, and I'm embarrassed to admit that, you know, you kind of fell into, to some of that, uh, paying for things and, and maybe doing things that you would have normally done, not anything bad necessarily, but just making some decisions that you wouldn't have normally made. What do you think when couples get involved in relationships? I have, I actually have a couple in my mind, a younger couple who, um, the, it's actually the male who's starting to make some decisions, trying to please this, this girl that he loves and likes so much. Why do you think that being in these dating relationships, um, or I guess maybe I should rephrase the question, what about dating do you think um, can be a, a mirror to our own character? And how can dating actually help us to learn more about ourselves before we get married? 
Yeah, sure. Well, and that example you gave about this guy is a great example of telling on myself, because I always say my 20s, Dana, were me um, believing the, you know, growing up in the California public schools and the all the professors I had and whatever were like, girl, no one's going to, you know, take care of you. You get out there and you get an education and you start in your career and you climb the ladder and you do you. And then in the future, on your terms and your timeline, you can add a little marriage and and see if you like it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I believed that. I wasn't like some crazy like, oh, you know, women unite or whatever. Um, but the church was kind of like crickets on it. They didn't really say anything. And so I kind of entered this season in my 20s where I did pursue career. And I put marriage kind of as a plan D because I figured, well, at some point, I'm going to lock eyes across a Starbucks with someone. You know, won't this be easy? And so it was very much like um, it, it was very much just a cavalier attitude towards marriage. Well, then I got into my 30s and I freaked out and I tried to make up for lost time. And thus began the decade of, uh, first of all, that example with that guy, that was in my era of what I call too many chances. So then it was like, this guy says he's a Christian. He has a job. Clearly, I can date him and we can probably make this work. Okay, well... (laughs) (laughs) Then you see, and this is why I developed my very short list of things to look for in a person when you actually start seriously dating, because we, we draw up these elaborate lists and think we have to have all these compatibility mechanisms and stuff. And really to explore a person and get to know who they are and how God has, has made them. They just really have to have a few great qualities, but they have to be important qualities. And so. I feel like for me, it was very much, um, I remember going into relationships and thinking to myself, well, I have to succeed at this. I have to, if I fail in this relationship, it's a reflection on me. And so I would work so hard to keep something together that had no business staying together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, dating guys who were unhealthy, who hadn't done, I dated another guy who in his life, I discovered after we broke up, had never walked through conflict in a relationship and come out the other side. He always ran. And I'm like, that is, that's something that we have to clue ourselves into is what are the patterns? I have another friend, Dana. This is a great example. She's a licensed professional counselor and it took her into her thirties to realize that she was chronically dating alcoholics. And you know why she was? Because her dad was an alcoholic. Yeah. And so that just felt normal and comfortable to her. Oh. And so we have to get objective eyes on our relationships to help us see. Cause the minute we start dating and we're into a guy, we get crazy. And all of a sudden we're making excuses and it's like, well, you don't know him like I do, or it's okay. He's really growing and whatever. And we need people who are like, no, you need to back it up and see what's up. Because one of the biggest qualities I say for anyone, um, anyone to look at in a potential partner is, is this person humble and teachable? Mm -hmm. Are they someone who has other people speaking into their life? And they are acting on it. And you see change, you see maturity, you see a humility that is born out of, I don't have all the answers, I need help, I need people to help me grow. Uh, That's a person that you can work with, that God can work with, (laughs) that you can move forward ahead with. Yeah, all the married people listen and are like, oh, dang it. I knew I was getting something. (laughs) Hey, it's still not too late to start learning if you guys can get on board together. Yeah. Amen to that. 
loves. Are you ready to take your relationship to the next level? Now is the time for you to work with me as your personal relationship or marriage coach. Head over to DanaShay.com forward slash shop to see all the services I offer. From individual relationship coaching to premarital coaching or even couples coaching, there's something for everyone. Interested in group coaching? Our next Wife Life class is starting soon. So visit DanaShay.com forward slash shop. That's D-A-N-A-C-H-E dot com forward slash S-H-O-P to find a package that works best for you. There's something for everyone at all price points, from e-courses to personalized and private coaching. You'll find what you need at DanaShay.com forward slash shop. I look forward to working with you soon and helping you to thrive in life and in love. Well, I know that one of the things I really wanted to spend time with you uh, talking about, you write in your book, there's a chapter called Five Reasons That Your Love Life or Your Dating Life is a Disaster. Yeah. And um, and I just, I love these five and we probably won't be able to get to all of them. But um, you talked earlier about um, compatibility, right? And mm-hmm. I think that, and this is something that I talk about a lot on the podcast is I believe compatibility is way overrated. Sean mm-hmm. and I have been married for 23 years and we are completely incompatible. Like we've taken all of these like surveys and I'm like, okay, well maybe let's try this website because apparently the first one doesn't really know us, you know, but we are not compatible on paper, but you talk about one of the reasons that your dating life is a disaster is because people are waiting for quote the one. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about, do you believe Lisa, that there is like that one special person out there that God has designed for me to complete me? You know, like what, why, first of all, where did that come from? And, uh, and do you believe that? And if that isn't true, then how can someone know, like, if this person is the one for me? Sure. Well, I will say um, straight out that I believe it's totally bogus. Um, so I'll show my hand there. And here is why. I think that um, if you look, first of all, if you look in scripture, um, people did all manner of things to get a spouse. They didn't sit around waiting for God to mystically show a sign, you know, for this person. I mean, they they enlisted other people to help them find a spouse. They went to wells. Um, some people e- even killed other people for their spouse, which I would highly not recommend. Um, but, you know, there were a number of different ways to go about searching for a spouse. But the, the key thing is Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and finds favor with the Lord, not he who sits around assuming that there's one person out there that he has to elusively uh, run into at some point. And then it'll just be magical. And I think looking for the one, or some people call it the soulmate, sets you up for one of two things, Dana. It either paralyzes you because you're so fearful of not finding the one that all of a sudden you're interested in someone and you're like, okay, well, wait a minute. I, I like that guy and I like that one too. And this one's in my small group, but this one plays guitar and he's great. And so all of a sudden you have multiple choices and you're like, how do I choose? Because what if I pick wrong? Well, the flip side to that is the person who goes out and chooses But then uh, to your point earlier, the minute they hit a bump in the road or discover we've got some compatibility issues, we disagree on some stuff, we're having some hard times here, then they throw in the towel thinking that they didn't pick the one and they need to circle back and choose again. Because if they just choose a better person, 
it'll be easier. And anyone who's married probably could do a collective shout right now and say that you don't pick anyone and sail through marriage and decide that, oh, a good thing I picked this person because miraculously I'm not selfish. I'm not angry. I'm not, <laughs> we are all selfish and angry and it's only going to be magnified in marriage. And so, um, so it sets you up for one of those two two failures in that sense. So I think um, conservatively speaking, in the way that God has designed us to be in relationship with other people, there are, let's arbitrarily say, five to 700 people in the world, Dana, that you could be attracted to, you could serve with, you could build a life with, you could have kids with. And the, the thing that God is calling us to do is put in some good parameters for what this person is. Are they a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, what's their deal? Who are they um, in the things that matter? And then you pick one and that person becomes your one. Mm -hmm. And so when you've done that, you put on the blinders and you become a student of that person. You become a servant to that person. You're mutually uh, submitting to one another, loving one another, walking out faith together, sharpening one another and that person uh, becomes your one. And then you can breathe a sigh of relief because you don't have to worry about what all these other people are doing. You don't have to be frantically searching for that person to, a la Jerry Maguire, complete you mm -hmm. or some other nonsense. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. That's so good. All right, number two, you said that one of the reasons that your dating life is a disaster is you're still a kid. Um, mm -hmm. Basically... <laughs> I took that as you're you're just immature. You're not quite ready. What's your take on that? You're still a kid. Exactly. And this is kind of what we touched on earlier, that adults marry adults. So if you're the person who thinks that because, you know, culture has arbitrarily told you or you've watched X number of rom-coms that it's time to start searching for a, a mate, but you don't have a job, you don't have, you're in, in colossal debt that you have no interest in working on, you haven't dealt with past baggage in your life, you have broken relationships. I remember a person who contacted me at Boundless and said, oh, Lisa, I'm getting married in, in six months and I'm so glad because I need to get away from my parents. And I'm like, okay. Um, running <laughs> from bad relationship over here to something that you think is going to be your savior over here is not the way to approach marriage or any relationship. And so it's a person who can take ownership of themselves, take responsibility for their decisions. Um, you know, we, we jokingly say nowadays that 30 is the new 20 or 40 is the new 30 or whatever. And, you know, I hope it is for the sake of my skin. I don't know. I feel like I'm fighting an uphill battle. But when it comes to maturity and uh, grace and, and all of those spaces, we've got to go after maturity in every area. Mm, so, so true. Number three, you said that you're not dating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that no, is right? Hello, <laughs> hello. There was would, a... Um, yeah. Yeah, there was, I had a, a episode um, I did uh, w on my podcast and we were talking about the friend zone and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, there are, like you said earlier, there are some people who especially, oh my gosh, I find this in the church that God is just going to drop this person down from heaven. He's going to put them in your mailbox. But, yeah. you know, if you're not dating, I mean, that's kind of a no brainer, right? Right. And I think this is where especially those um, precious, like some of the older millennials now, I say, would uh, would be in this space who grew up with a very intense form of purity culture. Mm 
where it was like you had to pretty much know that God wanted you to marry someone before you could even declare that you were going on a date. And again, talk about paralysis. All it did was set up a bunch of horrified daters who didn't know how to relate to the opposite sex and they just didn't do anything or uh, didn't step into that space. And so like a, a more recent example from a guy that I knew uh, had the misfortune of falling just in infatuation with a woman in our church. And um, I remember him asking me about her and what I thought of her. And he was doing all this intel and recon and stuff. And I'm like, well, you could just ask her. And he's like, well, I'm just figuring a few things out. Well, then I find out, you know, all of a sudden he's he's following her on social and well, it turns out, Dana, that he was building up this whole relationship with her in his head, mm. okay, without ever really having a conversation with her. So he finally, after a year, a year, decided, well, I'm going to ask her out for coffee. And so he approaches her and asks her out, and she's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm just really not interested. Well, uh, there just went his entire world and his entire previous year and his, because in his head, he was dating her, but this oh, was wow. never in real life. And yeah. so it's, again, you got to make it happen, y'all. You know, guys, put your, put your cards on the table and ladies be willing to pick up a card. You know, mm -hmm. again, I always say no one has to ask anyone out and no one has to accept a date. But your chances increase incredibly if you're willing to just give someone a chance and say it's just coffee. Right. And again, the ladies in particular, this is not the time after your first coffee date or lunch date to be writing your name with his, uh, to be naming your children. <laughs> Can we all have a fair amount of chill in this process and not right. get, you know, some kind of a labeled uh, stereotyped as the crazy cat lady or whatever? Um, but just see what God does and look at them as a person made in the image of God and someone that could be a future friend, maybe, you know, and if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You move on because God may have someone else for you. Awesome. All right. You also say that uh, one of the reasons your dating life is a disaster is because your dating is directionless. And you kind of parse that out a little bit. Um, you say that there's no plan, there's no boundaries, there's no accountability, and there's no objectives, you know? Yeah. I don't know that people are that intentional, especially in our current climate, our current culture. It's almost, yeah, the, the directionless dating, I think, is like epidemic. That yeah. just like it's the hookup culture. It's, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. So yeah. how can people develop dating lives that do have direction without feeling like they're so strict or so stoic? Exactly. Yeah. So what you don't want to do, which is what, what another one of my friends did, she would go on a date with a guy and then immediately send him like four personality tests and have him like test out to, you know, again, getting back to the compatibility thing. And, you know, it was yeah. like applying for a, a job or something. Um, but what it is, is it's I, I think we're greatly served here when we're just willing to put stuff on the table and be honest about the fact this is why so many people are into dating apps and online sites, because at least you know that these other people are there for the same purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's all just acknowledge that if you want to be married, that is cool. And you want to date people and go, you know, it, it always drives me bananas when singles are like, well, I really want to date and be married, but I don't I don't want to tell anyone because that's weird or I don't want people in my business or, or in my love life. And I'm like, 
of all, you know, of, of anyone in the world who should want people in their love life, it's someone who, you know, definitely wants to move towards a healthy relationship. And so um, this idea of not including others, I mean, who better to help you find a mate than the people that know and love you best? So mm -hmm. that's one part of the equation. That said, I think when you're dating, whether it's a first date or further on into the relationship, you have to be willing to have some pretty stark conversations. Otherwise, you don't know if you're on the same page as this person you're dating. And so that's where the directionlessness will come in. Because I always say, you know, some people throw out the term the DTR, which means define the relationship. And that's a healthy thing to have in the back of your mind. Again, not that you want to script something out or, or be weird. Um, I had a guy I dated, Dana, who on our second date, um, had a PowerPoint presentation for me that included uh, Excel tables, some pivot tables with a timeline of how our relationship was going to go, including oh, when we were going to get engaged. Wow. <laughs> so like I said, there are reasons I'm still single, girl, let's be honest. So, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> concerning there. Um, that said, that's a little too much. That mm -hmm. said, to be a month into dating um, or a couple months into dating, eventually you want to have this conversation around like, okay, are we exclusive at this point? Or are we still dating other people? Are we, are you into this or, you know, what, and how do I feel about it? You know, you want to keep both of you at kind of the same pace in what your expectations are, what your understanding is of where things are going. And, you know, and again, not get too presumptive of, oh yeah, we're moving towards the altar, but but as things progress, you want to be that person that's getting the right kind of information you need about this person. Like, is this ultimately going to be a good match? I mean, there are a lot of great sites out there and books out there that give you questions to walk through as you're in a relationship for different stages of just, what are some things I need to know? I guess we probably should start talking about kids at some point. And we probably should start talking about worship styles and church and your view of family and what do in-laws look like in this equation. And so having those questions is a is a good thing to have. Uh, like I said, otherwise, um, you're going to end up just being in kind of this churn of not knowing where you stand. And that can be extremely frustrating. Mm, such great advice, especially on you know, ha being at the same pace. I don't know mm -hmm. that I've ever he heard anyone quite say it that way. Um, I think that's really important for people to get. Um, well, the fifth well, one, finally. Oh, go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, I was going to say, let me say one other thing to that. The other thing about that is guys tend to err on this side a little bit too much because we're so in the church, we talk about leadership and men being strong and being confident and being the ones who are going to step up. And, you know, guys don't be passive and lame. And I think all of that advice is great. I mean, I have married friends who are like, girl, my husband won't even pick pizza toppings. And I'm like, well, what did he do when you were dating? And she's like, well, I picked the toppings because I wanted to. But I thought after we're married, he would change. And all these women that think these guys are going to change. And it's like, girls, let's uh, listen up here. So that said, you know, we, we talk about leadership. But then men will over apply that in a relationship and they'll take the reins and all of a sudden they're stomping on ahead and the women are like, wait, what are we dating? What's going on here? And so you've got to be willing to have these conversations because men love putting it on the table, being direct. Women will be much more cagey um, generally. 
Again, there are, there are exceptions, but personality wise, you know, women don't want to hurt a guy's feelings. So they're going to be like, well, you know, I'm just working on myself or I'm dating Jesus or let's take some time. And the guys are like, what does that mean? So you got to be willing to, to put it out there. My pastor said it so well. He said, cause I dated a guy, you know, oh, actually it was the, the PowerPoint guy clearly who had in his head how this was going to go. And my pastor said, you know, I think it's wonderful when a man is willing to step up and lead, but he has to look behind him and make sure someone's following him. Mm -hmm. You can't just storm on ahead and think you're in charge and you're going to call the shots. There needs to be reciprocity there where, where the woman is involved in this conversation. Both of you need to walk this out together. Yeah, that's great marriage advice right there as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then finally, Lisa, you said that you're stuck in a friendlationship. I love the word friendlationship. Did you make that up? You know, I feel like I did. And I actually had a few people like Google it to see like, is that, was that, uh, did that start with you? And I, I, maybe there are different reports or whatever, but I felt like I made it up in the time because I was referring uh, to a relationship both that I was in and that a friend was in back in the day. And this is like, this is the death of so many relationships, Dana, because there it's basically the non-relationship. Mm -hmm. And here's what it is. It's, you know, Ashley and Ben are friends and they're hanging out and they do a lot of things together and they have so much fun and they're both single. So it's like, it's just so easy to call up the other person and be like, well, what are you doing Friday night? Let's grab some pizza and watch a movie or whatever. Well, then Ashley kind of starts like liking Ben. But she's not going to tell him that because she wants to play it smooth. And so she just kind of starts doing stuff very assumptively because, you know, again, she's watched all the movies where they start out just friends. And then eventually he wakes up one day and realizes this amazing woman is right in front of me. So why don't I just move this to the next level? And so she assumes that that will be the case. Well, so all of a sudden things progress and they have their own, you know, they know each other's uh, coffee drinks. They have pet names for each other. They have designated ringtones. They're going to church together. And he comes, uh, meets up with her one day and says, oh, well, I want to know um, what you think about Rachel. And she's like, who's Rachel? And he's like, well, that new girl at church. And she's like, well, I don't know. I don't I haven't even met her yet. And he's like, well, I'm thinking of asking her out. Okay, well, Ashley uh, just found out that she's in a friendlationship mm. because he clearly decides he's going to ask Rachel out. He's never asked that of Ashley. Ashley was just the friend who was kind of this placeholder because they get along great, but they never defined anything. So he didn't technically owe her anything. Well, so at this point, Ashley is either going to start screaming and throwing things, or she's going to go and eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's, or she's going to do something because her world just crashed. And yeah. so this is again, why um, when we decide to start dating someone, we have to call it a date. And, you know, I often say until really until that ring is on the finger, this person that you are interested in, that you are friends with, that you are dating, whatever is a brother or a sister in Christ. And nothing more. That's what they are. That is their status in your life. Now, you may have romantic feelings towards them. You may want to move this towards something else, but you can't be assumptive about that until you both have called the shots and you know where this is going. And so, um, and this is why so often, Dana, when people start dating and it's very directionless or they don't know if they're dating, 
when they break up eventually, it's like a divorce because they've been playing at marriage and they're so emotionally entwined, even if there's not sex on the table. I mean, the the acting like you're married um, can take its toll. And I know many people who have gotten caught in that trap. And as far as the friend relationship, I have a dear, dear friend who actually did this for seven years, if you can believe it. So she was so into a guy and they were such best friends and they, he was a fun guy and he was a good guy, you know, in so many aspects of this. Um, But she just thought it would eventually become something more. And she actually had to sit down with him. She was so convicted finally that this relationship had become an idol in her life that she had to break it off. And she sat down with him at dinner and broke up with him from a seven-year non-relationship and they parted ways. And his thing was like, what? We were just friends. (laughs) We were just friends. And so now I'm not going to say that he has no culpability in this. I mean, this is where men... You got to treat your sisters well and let them know, you know, let them know that men and women, if we're not in a relationship, you do not have access to me and to my emotions. I'm not going to be your buddy. I'm not going to be your companion and your placeholder. So we got to be willing to do that and to be honest about our feelings. But, but at the same time, we have to honor one another in the process and realize that, yeah, I mean, for her, I, I want to say, I think it took her about two years to get over that relationship because it really was like a divorce. Not only that, there went almost all of her 20s, Dana. And yeah. of course, you know, here's the thing. She's so hanging out with this guy and kind of into him that no other guy is going to ask her out because he assumes yeah. they're dating. So she's just kind of like wasting her time and capital on a guy who never has the intent of making good on it. Mm. Well, you know, we might have to bring you back, Lisa, to talk about how to get out of the friend relationship, how to get yes. out of the friend zone, right? Yeah. No, this has been so, so rich. And mm-hmm. I know that even as a married woman, just sitting here listening to you talk, like there's so many good principles that, you know, again, they apply to singles for sure, but there are some things that I think married people can take to continue to renew their relationships as well. So if people want to find out more about your work and what you do, I'm going to link to all of this in the show notes, but where's the best? place for them to find you online? Yeah, probably the best place is just at boundless.org. So B-O-U-N-D as in dog, less.org. And that's where we have articles. We have our group blog. We have our weekly show, um, social media, where folks can kind of get together with other folks who are young adults, whether married or single, um, and just kind of talk through life together and wrestle through faith and relationships and just adulting and all those things that come with, uh, with young adulthood. So we'd love to see them there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Lisa. This has been in such an incredible conversation. I can't wait for singles and married people to hear everything that you have to say. So thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much, Dana. Okay, friends. Well, I told you that that was going to be a great episode. Thank you so much again, Lisa, for being with us today. We have got to have you back. That was such a fun conversation. Well, guys, I'm going to link to all of the things that Lisa mentioned, her book, the Boundless podcast on the show notes or in the show notes, I should say, of this episode. So be sure to go to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 107. And that's where you're going to find all the goods. Okay. And I just want to say, I am so grateful for those of you guys who rate and review this show. If we just have two or three of you rate the podcast every single episode, 
it would tremendously help this podcast, okay? We're doing really great, and our listenership is increasing every single week. And I'm so excited and so grateful about that. But I'll get people who will send me direct messages with long paragraphs about how much this podcast means to them. And I'm thankful for that. And I always respond back. However, that is a review that could go on the show itself. So if you like this podcast, you can just give it a rating or you can also write a review or do both. That, again, helps the show to be able to be seen by more people and heard, really, by more people. So I would appreciate it if you would take the time to do that today. Thank you so much. All right, you guys. Well, that is it for our show today. Again, show notes are available at realrelationshiptalk.com. And again, if you want to set up a confidential coaching appointment with me, you can go to danashay.com forward slash coaching to do that. And remember, friends, that a good relationship isn't one that works It's one where you put in the work. Let's get to work. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.